Initially, I'd planned to release this Witchcast in 2021. However, it seems the universe has other plans. So here we are. In our pilot episode, I'll be telling you a little about me and my craft, which includes my beliefs and my personal practices. We'll also be showcasing the gorgeous Septarian Stone and discussing a card from the Ostara Tarot, a beautiful deck created by talented artists Molly Applejohn, Eden Cook, Krista Gibbard and Julia Iredale. Make yourself comfortable and join me in discussing our magic. Welcome to Feather Souls Warflare, where I am your resident hedge witch. Well, hello. Welcome to the Witchisode, um, my pilot Witchisode. Um, my name is Feather Soul. I'm your resident hedge witch. Uh, so, in this episode, my pilot episode, I'm going to tell you a little bit about where I came from and what I'm about, because uh, then that way that will give you the option to work out whether or not my podcast resonates with you. If it does, great. I look forward to having you on board. But if it doesn't, that's cool. Uh, my real name is actually uh, Leanne Michelle. Uh, but Feather Soul is my magical or my witch name. I will no doubt discuss that in a podcast later down the track when I discuss witch names. Um, I have been actively practicing since 2017, so not very long. However, the craft has always... Uh, it, it, it's always circled me. Like, I don't, I don't remember a time in my life where I've not had some aspect of the craft in one way or another circling me. Uh, I've always been drawn to crystals, spirits and witches um, and anything multidimensional ever since I can remember. I don't actually remember a time where I wasn't drawn to these things. I was one of those kids that made magic mud pies so instead of making potions I used to make magic mud pies I always felt like I was different and I didn't fit and I've come to learn now that I'm at the age that I am that a lot of that is because of my beliefs um, and, and who I am at my core I've been I've been collecting crystals. I sort of started collecting crystals at the age of 10. Um, But when I was 10 years old, you know, like when I was 10 years old, there was no internet. Like, I was born before the internet. So my limited resources and my my access to information was limited. My access to being able to find and reach out to other like-minded souls was very limited um even more so because i'm the only person in my family that holds the belief that i hold i'm the only person in my family that is a witch and is inclined towards the craft um so my resources and access to teachers were limited uh i grew up in rural south australia um That's where I was born and I was raised. I live in uh, Queensland now, um, but 
growing up in rural South Australia, a lot of, you know, the rural libraries, public libraries don't have, especially not when I was 10, they didn't have, you know, the, the resources that are available now through advancements in technology. So I'd started to collect crystals. Um, I borrowed books from the school library and from the public library, but there weren't too many of them around. Um, sadly, it meant that I reached a stage where I had nowhere to go, so I was unable to continue my learning when I was such a young age. But the curiosities, they never went away. So, like I said, they just, they always circled me. Uh, I've always had an interest or an inclination towards crystals, and I've always had an inclination towards uh, magic. Like, it's it's always captured my attention and my interest. Um, All that aside, one thing I have been able to do ever since I can remember... I've always been able to communicate with and sense energetic beings. I learnt in my more recent years that this is actually clairsentience and clairaudience. When I was growing up, I was always getting told off when I was a child because I I would have full-blown conversations with myself. Well, that's what it looked like to my mum. I would quite often hear her screeching from the kitchen. Leanne, who are you talking to? I could never really answer her because I didn't know. You know, I I would have these conversations and I would get responses. So I would respond, but, you know, um, and I would sense things around me. And as I said, in my more recent years, I learned that that is a combination of clairsentience and clairaudience. I'd, I've always found that I would, I can become distracted from conversations in the 3D world. And a lot of this is due to the messages I hear or the information I get, which I have, I have no control over this. I've got quite a good working relationship with my guides, which will be another thing I'll talk about later down the track. And there have been times where I'm having a conversation with another human being and I can hear my guardian talking to me and it's really distracting like really distracting and it's noticeable but anyway that'll be a story for another time but yeah so being able to hear voices it's clear audience I I'll get to my awakening in a moment but I legitimately thought I was going crazy I've also had an interest in tarot cards and divination for as long as I can remember. My first dip, my first deck was gifted to me at the age of 17. It was gifted to me by my ex high school boyfriend's mum and she gifted me a set of Tatiana's fortune cards. These cards are very, very similar to the Lenorn... The Le- excuse me, the Lenormand system. So if you're familiar with Lenormand, um, Tatiana's fortune cards are very similar to the Lenormand system. I spent hours upon hours upon hours with, with this deck. My readings became so accurate 
that at the age of 17 and with no guidance and with no one to guide me, I actually scared myself. So I put them away. That was when I was 17. So we're talking 20 years ago. Life circumstances took precedence over the years, but my interest in cartomancy never actually went away. Like I've, you know, I've kind of, I'd see, I'd see something about tarot or fortune tellers or, you know, like psychics and I'd be like, oh, that's interesting. Like it, it would capture my attention. You know, um, these interests, including that and the craft, they remained, but they were dormant. So it just, it never, it, it never actually goes away. Like it doesn't, not for me anyway, it never went away. Even though I had patches throughout my life where I didn't practice at all, or I wasn't, or I didn't invest the time that I invest now, it never went away. It was just always there. Now, on top of my crystals and my cards and my clairsentience and my clairaudience, add to that a love of dragons. I love dragon energy. I love working with dragons. I love everything about dragons. Um, later in this episode, I actually discuss septarian stones, which are my favorite crystal ever also known as the dragon stone so um, I'm a little bit obsessed with dragons and I have been for many years my first probably introduction to dragons was back in 1996 and it was Sean Connery's Draco from Dragonheart and I fell in love with Draco absolutely fell in love with Draco and I've just been obsessed with dragons ever since. But it's not only dragons that I love. I also have a love of bears and wolves, and that was quite evident when I wasn't actively practicing. So when my sort, you know, when my interest lay dormant and I was dealing with life circumstances. It's interesting to me that not only do I work with dragons. But I have three totem animals. One of them's the bear and one of them's the wolf. So even prior to my awakening, um, I've just always loved bears and wolves. So um, spirituality, you know, circled me, started sort of circling me and gently tapping me on the shoulder from about too long, 2016. So it was wanting to move from a dormant place in my life to a you know to a precedent place in my life um it wanted it wanted to step forward so in 2017 I decided to become a Reiki initiate and I um attended a weekend workshop and I uh received my first Reiki attunement well that is when the wild ride started my true awakening began at that point and it was messy I see memes all the time on social media uh, about uh, with two tarot cards the sun and the tower and it's 
what people think awakening is like the sun what awakening really is is really like the tower yeah the awakening is the tower through and through it shakes your shit up um it was messy oh you know on the one hand there was lots of crying lots and lots of crying i had i just i was so confused i didn't know what was going on i was overwhelmed but on the other side of the spectrum i was excited like i was excited like i could feel the energy coursing through me i could feel my clairsentience and my clairaudience getting stronger i was you know i had i was starting a meditation practice you know to to enhance these skills you know i wanted to learn all the things like i, I wanted to know everything and that's actually not really uncommon like i was excited like this whole new world had opened up to me and even though it had been circling me for most of my life i was now in a position where i could dedicate time and that was exciting for me you know as part of my awakening i lost friends because they didn't support my beliefs or they thought i'd gone a little bit weird you know i gained friends with similar similar beliefs and then i lost some more but you know when you're awakening these things happen you know you start to discover more about yourself and you start to discover things about yourself that you didn't know things that were underlying for me the the awakening process was very much a journey of healing and it never stops the learning never stops the healing never stops the awakening never stops you know when you think you've mastered something or you're close to being confident in your knowledge with something boom something will come along and it'll just blow everything you knew out of the water and then the process starts again um it was just yeah it was not it was not long after my um first reiki um attunement in 2017 actually that i bought my first deck well i purchased my first deck because i was given tatiana's fortune cards in 2017 so my very first deck i was gifted which that's a topic for another time um but i i purchased a deck um the purchase of that deck was actually the beginning of the end for me tatiana's fortune cards were lost somewhere in a box because between receiving them at the age of 17 and then buying this deck that i bought bought for myself like 18 years later um tatiana's cards were lost somewhere so i began again the thing about cards one deck turns into two which turned into five three years later i have close to 90 decks I'm not sure if I need Cardamancy Anonymous if such a thing ever existed but I just keep buying them. Do I work with them all? No. You know, it's deck addiction is a really funny thing. I found I had the same thing with books as well, like my li- my wish list on book deposits, book depository, stupidly long. For a while there I was actually ordering one book a fortnight it was crazy like it was really really crazy um because you know I wanted all the decks and I wanted all the books and I wanted to learn all the things because you know I'd finally reached an age in my life where I could 
dedicate time and create a practice for you know my spirituality we'll call it because that's how it all started you know so by 2018 I identified as a solitary eclectic witch I was out of the broom closet I had regular like a regular meditation practice I was attending red tent circles which if you are uh, if you align with being a female um, check out red tent circles they're excellent I really love them um, I was making crystal grids for home and for other people I was doing intuitive card readings I was writing my own spells I was exploring kitchen witchery um, I was actually brewing kombucha so that was fun if you've never brewed kombucha highly recommend it lots of fun well I found it fun I started blogging uh, I um, developed a friendship with a wonderful old crone who she was excellent absolutely excellent I could talk about her for ages she was wonderful absolutely loved her she taught me so much she is she had a massive influence on me and the way that I practiced my craft um, she had a really big influence on me and my attitude the way that I see and treat people and it was actually my friendship with her that caused me to have a lot of the beliefs that I do now um, so I have a lot to thank her for and I'm going to always and forever be grateful to her and she's no longer earthside and we still communicate so she's um she's pretty wonderful by 2019 as I said I was even more out of the broom closet I was I wouldn't say I was loud and proud but you know I wasn't ashamed you know, I wasn't embarrassed about saying I was being a witch, I'm a witch because I stopped caring what people thought of me because I learned that what people think of you is actually none of your business. So it's irrelevant. Um, my life in 2019 was once again tipped on its head. I was presented with a choice where I could either let my craft fall dormant again or I could continue practicing and I elected to continue my practice um, my practice did come secondary to 3d events so real-life events but I didn't allow myself to become dormant again my clairsentience and my clairaudience was still strong and at the end of 2019 I moved into state and that brings us to 2020 which for all of us has been an absolute cock up of a year um, but life is what you make it and if you think the year's been crap well you're going to feel like the year's been crap you know I've I treat 2020 as a learning exercise it's been challenging but we're all still here aren't we and we're stronger and we're better for it yes we still struggle but that is life we are humans having human experience we are spirits having human experiences and this is part of the human experience. My healing continued in 2020 um, through a number of life-altering events. Um, my father passed away in July. Um, 
we're now in November, so what's that, four or five months ago? So my dad passed away. My dad was my hero and my biggest believer, so that, that actually really altered my life and it also has really altered the way that I view myself and the way that I practice. My path as a witch also alters. I no longer did I identify as an eclectic solitary witch. It didn't feel right anymore. It didn't resonate with me. It didn't feel right. And the more I read and the more I researched, I discovered that I'm a hedge witch. Um, and I'll do a pod- podcast on what is a hedge witch another time. But I am very much a hedge witch. You know, um, I work between the realms and I communicate between you know from one side of the veil to the to the other like it's classic hedge riding you know you can ride between the worlds and as part of my practice I do that my clairsentience and clairaudience has been secondary this year as of my cards so my cartomancy has suffered a little bit I've had another interstate move so I moved from South Australia to Victoria in December 2019. In August 20, I moved from, well, Dad passed away in July and I went from Victoria to South Australia when Dad passed away. And then in August, I went to Queensland. So there was another, so I've moved interstate twice in the last 12 months. And it's only now that I'm actually re-embracing my power as my healing and my path continues. So that's pretty much me in a nutshell. What are my beliefs? I believe in all ways and witches. I believe that as witches, we are all on our own paths. We all have lessons that we must learn while our spirits have this human experience. Because our energy signatures are all different, it means that what works for one witch isn't necessarily going to work for another. We are all very, very different witches. Our energy is different. Our heritage is different. Our ancestry is different. The way we practice is different. We might share core beliefs, but overall, we are different. And I think this needs to be respected and it needs to be embraced. You know, I'm I'm all for respecting all ways and witches. You know, I want to I want to hear stories about other witches and where they came from and how they practice and what their beliefs are. And I do this with an open mind. I choose to be open-minded because it's how you learn. It's how you learn from other people. Um, so I'm, I'm very much about that, you know, supporting one another respectfully. I believe that knowledge should be shared. You know, it, it, it should be shared. You know, if someone asks a simple question and you can answer them, then I believe that you should. Because collectively, we're all in this together. We may all be different, but we're all in this together. So I believe in unity and harmony for witches. Um, I believe 
I don't really swing either way in terms of light magic or light magic or dark mag dark magic. Um, it is what it is, you know. People, we all practice in a way that resonates for us, and we all like we practice in a way that is right for us. Um, some people choose to practice dark magic. That's fine. That's their prerogative. Some people choose to only practice light magic. That's fine. That's their prerogative. But me, I personally believe in balance. Where there's light, there is dark. You cannot have, you know, there is no, you know, the sun and the moon always go together. Like if you look at the yin and the yang, there's always, you know, like there's always a little bit of bad in the good and that's balanced out by the little bit of good in the bad like the yin yang is a classic symbol for that so yeah i i don't i believe in balance uh i have beliefs surrounding karma i believe it exists but i don't i don't follow the rule of three a lot of people follow the rule of three i don't follow that um when I started out, I was following the uh, the closing lines of the Wiccan Read, which is, um, I can't even remember now. Follow these words, ye uh, the read ye fulfil, and it harm none, do as ye will. So I used to believe that, but when you're awakening and you're learning, you evolve. So I acknowledge where I came from but you can't I don't believe that you can practice magic without harming someone because the energy's got to come from somewhere and taking the energy from one place is going to cause a pocket or an energy vacuum in another place so so yeah they're my beliefs um I started this podcast actually so that I could continue to explore that but I started it not only for me but for you dear listener you know I want to use this podcast to reconnect with my power I want to continue my journey of learning you know um what I know and what I have experienced is just a drop in the ocean in comparison to what's out there you know and on top of that you know I see a lot of common questions in forums and you know I had a lot of common questions when I started and I just I just think that this is a really good medium in which to address that so you know it'll be from my point of view and you can take it or you can leave it like I've got no qualms with people disagreeing with me at all um it's you know again respectful ways and witches I'm new to the world of podcasts, as you can tell, because I've blathered on for ages. Um, you, I tend to, when I talk about um, the Septarian Stones and the card of the month, um, I actually wrote scripts for those because I did some research. So um, I don't want to just write or put podcasts out there without reading up you know like that that's the purpose I want to teach me something and then pass that on as my practice evolves and I imagine that the format of my podcast will probably evolve as I do um 
I didn't actually really want my podcasts to go for too long because you can, yeah, I wanted to keep them short, sharp, and shiny. So uh, my pilot episode's blown out a little bit. So I hope you're enjoying if you're still here. So you know a little about me now. I would love to hear a little about you. So um, pop over onto my Facebook page, Feather Souls Wolf Lair. Tell me about yourself. What are your practices? What are your beliefs? I would really, you know, love to engage in discussion with, with listeners. So pop over onto my Facebook page um, and I will pop a link up. Um, with this podcast and yeah I'd love to have a discussion under that link so tell me about yourself how long have you been practicing Um, what is your path with the craft so I'd I'd really love to connect and create a little bit of a community so not really sure how I'm going to close off my first segment so what I am going to do is I'm just going to leave it at that so we're about to roll into um, a discussion of septarian stones so I do hope that you like what is presented and enjoy the rest of the episode Feather Soul's Crystal of Choice Welcome to the first instalment of Crystal of the Month. I'm actually really excited about this um, because as a first cab off the rank, uh, I have elected to showcase the Septarian Stone this month. Now, I've worked with crystals for a few years now and I have many favourites. Ultimately, the one that has stolen my heart is the Septarian Stone. This is also known as the Dragon Stone. Before I can share my experience with these amazing stones, I just want to highlight a few points about their metaphysical properties. Now, from www.madagascarminerals.com, I located the following. The Septarian Stone is a healing stone that is beneficial to the overall health and well-being. It opens psychic abilities. It provides relief for muscle spasms. It is a nurturing and grounding stone. It is a healing stone, so it has healing energy. It is used for the healing of the blood and kidneys. It is... A stone of the lower chakras, so it works best with the root, sacral and solar plexus chakras, but specifically it is the root chakra that this stone is closely related to and works best with. The septarian stone provides grounding and shielding of the physical, mental and emotional bodies. For more information regarding septarian stones and their properties, please visit the website I just mentioned. There are also a number of reputable sources and articles about crystals available online and in the the many books that are available from book suppliers. 
there are thousands upon thousands upon thousands of crystal books out there so by all means start hunting for a crystal book that you feel would be a resource best for you in your practice now it is believed that the markings on septarian stones are physical representations of dragon scales whether this is true or not i can't really say but i will say that such a belief allows these crystals to be surrounded with an element of whimsy and wonder now, when I first came across the Septarian stones, I found their energy to be too strong for me. I recall picking one up and holding it in my hand, and all sound around me was drowned out by what was my own heart pounding and something that I can only explain as the sound of my blood rushing around my body. I picked up another Septarian stone and it induced severe anxiety in me. I picked up another and I had an instant headache. It took weeks of being exposed to these stones before I met Bellathor, who was the first Septarian stone I connected with and subsequently brought home. Each Septarian has a dragon energy linked to it. It is widely believed that Septarians bring with them the souls and the energy of their own dragon. I'm very much inclined to agree. I enjoy meditating with mine and I have connected with each of my dragons in one way or another. All are just as different energetically as the stones themselves are to look at. After Bellathor joined me, I very quickly became a Septarian junkie. Now, this was two, two and a half years ago. Uh, and my collection of Septarian stones has vastly grown. I very much enjoy wrangling and interacting with the dragons in each of my stones. At the time that I wrote this script, I had in excess of 20 stones with plans of more. Uh, at last count, I think I had 38. So I'm a little bit of a septarian stone addict, you could say. Now, the energy stone, uh, sorry, the energy signature of each dragon stone varies from one to the next, which is the case with all crystals anyway. If you work with crystals, you'll, you'll find that the uh, energetic vibrations of each crystal is different um, even if the crystal is the same the, the energetic vibration and the energetic signature is going to be different now the dragons linked to each of my stones are all different now Bellathor, he is beautiful vibrant and a deep red and he's so loving, cheeky and gentle and then there's Ezekiel who is a large yellow dragon who protects and watches all don't get me wrong despite Ezekiel's seriousness. He too is loving with a streak of mischief thrown in. Larathe is gentle and is paired with an ocean agate. She finds great joy in being by the sea. Septarian stones can be paired with other crystals for visual meditations. If you're looking for an adventure, I recommend coupling a dragon stone with a piece of merlinite. The first time I did this, I was transported to Old World. It looked like England, Scotland, Ireland, so Old World, United Kingdom. Bellathor was on my right shoulder. And incidentally, I was holding his stone in my right hand and in my left was a melanite sphere. What I saw before me were fields of grass and just beyond the edge of the fields was the ocean. 
A cliff face greeted the edge of the fields and I could smell the sea breeze and I felt it on my skin. I found that particularly interesting because at the time of this visualisation I was standing in the lounge room of a uh, crone friend of mine who's no longer earthside and the windows and the doors were shut so I shouldn't have been able to feel breeze but I did. Now between where I was standing and the cliff face was a dirt path. Bellathor was grooming and preening and I could feel his wings brush my neck. He was weighty because I could feel him sitting on my shoulder. The two of us observed a knight. I could not believe that. And the knight was in full armour and cantering along the path on a white stallion. As I observed the knight and his horse trotting along, he raised a hand and he waved. This is all but one of many adventures that I've shared with my dragonstones. I've revisited this adventure with the same stone combination more than once. And as I do, each time the visualisation progresses. Which, for me, I'm a very visual person, so I find that really exciting. Septarian stones harness the kind of energy that likes to meld with the beholder. So it's not the kind of stone that you can leave at home and forget about. It's very rare that I don't have at least one septarian stone on me. Um... At the time of writing my script and planning this witch cast, the septarian stones that were with me were placed around my workspace and on the mini altar beside my bed. So I'm always surrounded by their magic and their energy, um, especially when I'm connecting with my craft. Often the dragon spirits attached to these stones will visit me in my dreams, which is no surprise considering their placement and their proximity to my third eye and my dreaming subconscious. It's not uncommon to wake from a dragon-filled slumber when a septarian is beside you while you sleep. Now, if you'd like to connect with a septarian stone and be transported into otherworldly adventures, just hold your dragon stone in your preferred hand while you meditate. That's really all there is to it. Um, I would suggest your left hand as it's closest to your heart. However, meditation, like the craft, is very personal. And you must listen to your intuition and you must do what feels right for you. When I started meditating with my dragons, I would rest my septarian stones on my heart chakra. Being an empath, I found this to be the quickest way to connect with and form strong bonds with septarian energy. Now, if you've never connected with a dragon before, you can try the following. And this is just a guide. It may not work for everyone. Again... It's important to do what feels right for you. If this is your first connection, you set the intention pre-meditation that you will meet and bond with your dragon. You pick up your septarian stone or the dragon of your choice if you have more than one and you proceed to find somewhere comfortable and energetically safe. Ideally, you want to be guarded and protected on your journey to meet your dragon. Call in your guides, crystal divas, uh, or anyone else. Uh, if you work with any specific deities, uh, call them in and ask them to protect you and keep your energy uh, safe while you are connecting with your septarian stone. And ask these protectors to 
keep you protected during your connection and ask them to also assist you in grounding in grounding and returning to yourself completely following your connection close your eyes get comfortable focus on your breath as you are breathing you may start to get a sense of your dragon's energy you may see his or her color their size well they may first show you their safe space where they are most comfortable just go with it and allow it to unfold there is no right or wrong way to connect with your septarian stones dragons can also be shy and they can also be quite guarded and a lot of work um, to get them to trust you so if you don't meet your dragon on your first connection persevere it will happen so keep practicing once you have met with and bonded with your dragon it is important to spend time with your stone and get to know its energy once the bond has formed and is strong the adventures you will share with your dragon will encompass things that not even your wildest of dreams can conjure up i've had a lot of fun with my septarian stones their energy is only limited by mine as will be the case for you if you choose to bring one of these stones into your life should you enter the world of dragons embrace yourself and embrace all that is offered to you because you are in for a wild ride cards with feather soul On shuffling my Ostara tarot deck in preparation for this witch episode, the hanged man presented himself for us. I'm a believer that the right cards come to us at the right time. I'm inclined to think that there is a message in this for all of us somewhere. I'll be drawing some information about this card from an extremely informative website, Biddy Tarot, so that is www.biddytarot.com. I just want to mention that I'm not affiliated with or receiving endorsements from Biddy Tarot. I quite often refer to this site when cards that are unfamiliar to me present themselves in a reading. The card explanations that are on the Biddy Tarot website are in line with the Rider Waite deck and I find them to be very informative. Although a lot of tarot decks come with their own guidebooks, I have found uh just with my vast collection of decks i have found that even though the core meanings and the core definitions of the cards will remain the same uh generally the artists and illustrators of the decks will um put their own apply their own meanings to the cards so there can be slight variations um in the underlying meanings from one deck to another whereas Biddy Tarot her her definitions for each card in the tarot um are very closely in line with the Rider Waite deck so it's an excellent starting point if you're learning tarot or if you're uh 
doing readings for yourself or for others and you come across cards that you're unfamiliar with, Biddy Tarot is an excellent resource. So I use it all the time. Um, now back to the Hanged Man. Traditionally, the Hanged Man is the 12th card in the Tarot and it's part of the Major Arcana suit. In the Ostara Tarot, the Hanged Man is illustrated with a lot of earthy tones. So we're talking browns, oranges, yellows. We see a man hanging from his left ankle in what looks like a deserted forest with leaveless trees. There are trees on both the left and the right side of the card with branches appearing intertwined and tangled across the top of the card. The man hangs from the centre of the lowest branch. The sun peeks through the branches to the top left of the card and it appears as though it is setting. The background colours are bright between the branches at the top of the card and they become darker as you move further down. It creates a feeling of darkness and stillness. The tree illustrated on the right is adorned with what appears to be symbols or shields. The largest symbol is an elk. The second appears as though it could be a snake. And the third symbol is small enough that I can't really quite make it out. It could be a moth or possibly a bee. But only the illustrator can confirm this. It was interesting to me, um, the symbolism of the elk on this card. Um, because when I started out in my craft, I was aligned to Artemis. And Artemis, um, she runs with an elk so you, so anywhere you see an elk it's usually artemis so it's unlikely that there's any direct links there with between artemis and the symbolism on this card but i just i just found that interesting um and also the symbolism of the snake because the snake is symbolic of feminine energy and uh, if you are familiar with kundalini energy, kundalini energy is actually a serpent. So those two little minor details sort of piqued my interest based on my own journey with the craft. Beneath the hanged man lies three jack-o'-lanterns with distressed faces. Amongst the jack-o'-lanterns are two wolves who are peacefully sleeping as they await the man to fall where he is hung. No doubt the wolves are anticipating their next meal as they lie in wait for the man to fall. It's worth mentioning that the jack-o'-lanterns on this card are connected by vines which are askew and crawling along the ground. So what message is this card conveying to us? It is telling us to hang tight for we are at a crossroads where a decision must be made. A hasty choice will see us eaten by wolves, so we must bide our time. Pause, if you will, to consider what possibilities lie before us. Even then, the hanged man encourages us to trust in our surroundings so the natural order of things can unfold. Don't act in haste and be sure to lie in wait. Trust that everything will be as it should. In reading card reversals, which I understand and appreciate, not all people do read reversals. The hanged man asks us to draw attention to our stubbornness. Digging in our heels will not prevent the inevitable outcome of the situation. 
I would suggest making peace with yourself or the scenario before you and allowing events to unfold as necessary, which they will once you resolve any roadblocks. So my question to you is, what is it that you are sitting on that needs a decision? Is there anything going on in your life that you're rushing a decision or you're not looking at all the potential outcomes of something that has faced before you if this sounds like something that you're going through at the moment the hanged man recommends that we bide our time we take a deep breath we look at all potential outcomes before making a decision just trust that what will be will be For joining me in my pilot episode witchcraft with feather soul it has been a pleasure having you on board i look forward to seeing you in the next episode if you've got any feedback or if there's anything you'd like to see me discuss by all means please reach out i'd love to hear from you you can find me on facebook or at feather souls wolf lair you can also find me on instagram at feather souls wolf lair Otherwise, you can email me at feathersoulswolflair at gmail.com. I look forward to seeing you on our next podcast and haven't quite worked out how I'm going to close this off yet, but whatever you do and wherever you are, respect one another and fly free. See you soon.